0: Welcome back to episode 37 of the Motorific Podcast. I am here with my lovely co host, once again, Christy Farrell. Hello. And we are joined today by a very special friend and guest, Elisa Clickinger. Say that Hello. really fast, Alisa Clickinger. <laughs> and um, I met Elisa about, I don't know, it's been five years now, five, six years ago. And um, she's yeah. just a really great gal, she has really cool stories awesome travel stories. She and Christy actually have a lot in common in that regard. They've both ridden a lot in the same countries, um, same continent. And, uh, we are going to have a very, um, I guess, hot and heavy discussion today about used motorcycle shopping. And luckily all three of us have had a lot of experience doing this. Um, Although I did buy a new motorcycle, our first new our first bike was a new bike, but that was a really long time ago. And that was the last time I bought a new motorcycle. So we're going to try to cover just everything, I think, from, you know, why look at a used bike versus new? Um, you know, how do you know how much to pay? What are you looking at? How do you know what to buy? That sort of thing. And, and I don't know, just anything else that really uh, comes along in those lines. So first, I would like to um, have Elisa introduce herself to everybody so you guys can hear a little bit more about her um, and so why don't you tell us Elisa about I guess your um, your writing background and history um, tell us a little bit about maybe how you got started into writing and some of the fabulous trips you've taken and uh, where people can find you okay
1: well, thanks for having me. I'm <laughs> really happy to be here and uh, take part in your podcast. I think it's it's terrific, mo terrific. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's right. That's where it uh, is. That's exactly why we came uh, up with that name. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I ca- I have an interesting story of how I started writing and. I'm really not making this up. I don't think you can make up stuff this crazy, but, um, almost 20 years ago I was getting divorced and you know, it's a stressful wow. time and your mind does strange things. And one night I had a dream and I remember the dream very well. Cause it was just so vivid. And, um, I don't remember all my dreams, but this one's just stuck with me for all these years. And it was like wartime France, like 1940s, how I know that it was a dream. I don't know that, but that's my guess. And, um, (laughs) I was running for my life and um I was running and and there were there were explosions it was you know war I mean there were like fire almost like fireworks artillery bombs and whatever and I was running for my life and I saw a motorcycle <laughs> and I ran towards this motorcycle and it was parked at the edge of a lake and Um, So I'm running running towards it and I got to the motorcycle just ahead of the whoever was pursuing me Got on it and of course in the way of all dreams Miraculously knew how to operate the machine and got on and sped off to safety and then I woke up and when I woke (laughs) up I Loved the feeling in the dream of riding the motorcycle so much. I said oh my god, I have to ride a motorcycle. And and this really came out of the blue because I had one of those mothers that told me that motorcycles were evil. and um, <laughs> They are. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I came yeah, from that inspired inspired me to <laughs> do... They make you want <laughs> to ride inspired...
1: them. I know. They've inspired me to do all sorts of evil things yep. around this
0: globe. Two, so... Two-wheeled voodoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah I I have it I have the two-wheel juju so um you know and the other thing you know my father had crashed him a dirt bike with me on the back um when I was young so I was just completely against motorcycles so this was really revolutionary to me and I was scared to death but I was working um I was working in a bank and I don't know The way of the universe, you know, a day, two days, I can't remember how, uh, how much longer later, a guy comes in wearing a leather jacket. And I said, you, you ride a motorcycle, don't you? And he kind of looked at me like, yeah you're strange but I'll go with this and I asked him how I got started to get started uh, because I wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle and he (laughs) suggested that I take the motorcycle safety course which I'd never heard of so um, I took his advice and signed up for the course and um, that's where it all started I guess Um, it was pretty funny when I first started riding because I yeah I was scared to death of the machine. And um, that's really one of the things that uh, I've grown to love about motorcycling is the more, you know, it's it's a metaphor for a lot of things in my life. Um, you know, I, I, I truly think that motorcycling has saved my life in a lot of ways. I'm no longer a boring housewife. I'm rather... like to think I'm a rather interesting you are (laughs) we all are well-developed person because of motorcycles and I think that motorcycles have really inspired me to um reach out beyond uh my comfort level Mm -hmm. that motorcycles have taught me that um by pushing my boundaries that so much more than I ever thought possible is is possible yeah and um and, I mean, motorcycling has really just revolutionized my, not only my view in the world, but how I show up in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. if you meet me today, you would never imagine that I was a shy housewife, but I really was. 20 years ago, I was a very shy housewife. And, um, you know, now I'm Moto Adventure gal. I ride all over, most of the time by myself. Um I'm having a huge love affair with the 950 KTM Um, and I just want to ride everywhere. I have this
0: huge bucket list. So yeah, that's me. Well, I think that's pretty common. I think that's a common experience for a lot of women, not necessarily that they start out as housewives or not not necessarily from an occupational point of view, but just like as a, person maybe like in terms of mental like your mental state um or or starting introverted and turning into an extrovert or yeah I mean I never would have thought I'd be riding motorcycles either I mean my first experience was horrific I never wanted to ride one after the first and second time like I'm never doing this ever again because it was so scary and I never ever ever thought I would go back to it but um I think it just goes to show the power of doing something really great, really fun and different and uh, something unexpected and how really cool things can happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we met, it was at the motorcycle show in, God, was that Atlanta or South Carolina? I can't remember. It was somewhere in the southern states on the east coast, I think, when I I met you.
1: Greenville. It was Greenville. What's
0: that? Yeah, yeah, and you gave—I think you gave your presentation there about riding solo in South America. Mhm. And um, the one huge takeaway I had from that presentation was to not be afraid to ride solo, and that really fun, interesting things can happen even when really awful things happen, like people stealing your stuff. Or whatever, it is, <laughs> right? Or getting, yeah, just the stuff yeah. that you, I think, a lot of people worry about going on a trip solo. Um, Christy, I don't know. At least you're gonna have to give her the presentation in person or something. You're gonna have to do this <laughs> slideshow for her in Diamond Bar because it's so. I'm sure it's relate a lot. I'm Christy. I think you can relate a lot to to her experiences too. Yeah. Um, but it, I just thought it was really fun how positive you made really. What people would see as very stressful, really scary situations, I think, traveling, just traveling alone, not even necessarily via motorcycle. I think that adds another layer of just stuff to worry about. But I just thought it was really cool the way you spun that around and just, you know, were very, um, I don't know what the word is, just kind of straightforward about it, I guess. And you're able to just get stuff done and have a really good time.
1: Well, that's cool because that's what I want to convey is that, (laughs) uh, I mean, there are challenges uh, on any adventure, but there are challenges in life and you just, you can't be prepared for all of them. You just have to, you meet them, you meet each one as they come. It's no different than everyday life. Yet when you overcome them on, uh, especially on a great adventure, it, uh, it just, it makes you feel so much more. Um, self-confident and and empowered and um, looking back on a trip some of the most stressful things such as um, you know for instance a night I spent in a in a police station um, because I I had a broken chain
2: I (laughs) I should (laughs)
1: should clarify that but uh, but yeah I got a broken chain in the Peruvian jungle and for all the wrong reasons (laughs)
0: yeah yeah it's more exciting when it's not the chain Wait, so yeah. they took you in? They're like, hey, you need a place to stay? Yeah, they
1: took me in. They cool. took me in because they didn't, they, 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 you know, um, they wanted to care for me and they didn't quite know what to do with me. I couldn't <laughs> leave on my own power. So they got me a, um, they got me a mechanic and uh, oh. he actually fixed my bike that night and I was going to leave, but they suggested that I don't and put me up in the, in the, uh, in the police station overnight. And, mm-hmm. um. And it was really an eye opener because, you know, you go through those, uh, um, police checkpoints and you think, God, these guys, you know, you know, they're making my life difficult and whatever. I I didn't always think that, but, uh you know, when you see that these people are just, they're, they're just, you know, people at this outpost and they took such a interest in me always in all of the outposts. Um, and that these people who would care, would care for a complete stranger was just, that was the, the theme of my entire trip over and over and over again, how people, strangers just kept taking me in and, um, uh, Yeah, anybody who doesn't know my story will think I had an unfortunate trip when I talk about all the things that went wrong. And and not a lot of things went wrong. Everything, I had so many beautiful things happen. And most of it was the the people. And I think that that's one thing about traveling alone that you just don't get when you are traveling in a group. uh, Is that exposure to other people, because when you're, you know, when you're traveling in a couple or a twosome or a threesome, it's, it's so much easier just to revert back to your natural language and your natural, you know, it's just, it's, it's easy and it's comfortable for you. But when you're traveling alone, you're really out there. And that just gave me so much Mm -hmm. contact with, uh, Mm. with people and built my confidence every, you know, every mile I
0: rode, just built, built my confidence further. And, um, yeah, so. And didn't you ride um, around South America on a DR650? I did. Which I did brings me to my segue, which is shopping for a used motorcycle, because that's what I want. That's what I'm shopping mm. for, is a used... A DR650?
2: Yes. Or a I des- 400?
0: Yes. I decided to change, so that's part of why I wanted oh. to talk about this. Uh huh. So I've been thinking a lot, really long and hard, about what to buy, and when I you know, when I sold the SV, a little heartbroken, but then I got really excited, like, cool, now I can buy something else, and this is going to be really neat to have a different bike, Mm -hmm. and I could buy the same bike. There's a lot of them out here. They're cheap. Um, Well, cheapish. They're affordable. They're in my budget. They're in good shape, so there's actually ones I could buy if I wanted to, but I really don't want to, and then, you know, my dream was to buy a supermoto, buy a DRZ400SM, Well, actually, Mm -hmm. my dream would be to have a 690 SMR. However, impossible (laughs) to find (laughs) and really hard to find. And if I did, they'd be twice as expensive. So the DRZs, however, are really expensive. Just like back in the Bay Area, they're, they're, you know, the demand is high. The supply is low. The prices are high. Um, There's no way I can talk someone down to Blue Book, given how rare they are. And practicality-wise, I just... I found so many, I found a few DR650s gently used and well taken care of for such less money. I mean, mm-hmm. like $2,000 less. And I just can't ignore these numbers. Like it's so much yeah. more affordable, more sensible. So it, it definitely is is pushing more me more toward the practical side. And um, just, you know, balancing or trying to weigh what I want versus what I need. I think the dr six fifty is better because it's what I need, um, and it's more economical. And I can't say no to spending twenty eight hundred bucks, you know, versus forty eight hundred. Yeah. So I'm deciding yep. to go that way. Um, I I know I'm gonna. I I am so sure I'm going to really love it. And if I don't love it, I'll sell it and I'll figure out something else. But I just think I get so much more bang for my buck. You know,
2: like sport is calling your name, Joanne. I get a
0: six, yeah, and I get a six fifty, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I I see myself wanting to go visit friends, you know, south, um, ride further out because I think the good roads aren't really for another seventy, eighty, a hundred miles to to get to some really good stuff. Like I hear there's really great riding up in New York, and but they're further out, so I think. I'm going to be better off with a 650 and uh, I like DRs I've ridden of 200 I've ridden the 650 I really like them you know I had my own twin 650 so just and oh and then the other thing that I also looked at of course was maintenance and cost and um it's a Suzuki you know it's a single it's Japanese it's yeah I mean it's it's cheap I don't have to I mean I, I can find a Suzuki part anywhere um There's no like, where's the KTM dealer and am I going to have to wait for parts from Austria? I mean, or Italy or, you know. And so that is the other thing for me that's huge because there's no Moto Java here. My mechanic's not here. There's no Moto Shop here for me to work on my bike by myself, you know, have someone help me. So I also want to take on the responsibility of working on my bike more than what I've done in the past, which is like oil changes and you know, checking my tires, neatening um, up my chain. Like I want to do my own valve check and maybe charge my own, you know, spark plugs and delve a little bit more into it. And I know I could do that on a DR. um Ooh,
2: spark plugs, yeah. easy or, valve, hard.
0: Well, actually, I found a really <laughs> great. Well, I found an awesome, fairly lengthy visual tutorial. On oh. what website was this? It's some site fully dedicated to the DR650. Some hmm. guy, yeah, he, it's pretty cool. It's like a whole thing about the DR. So, I, and I did a lot of research too looking at the 400s because there's like 20 different models. There's the DRZ the DR400S, the SE, the DRZ400, you know, there were changes year to year in different generations. I learned wow. that Wow,
2: so you're so you're telling me that they're worse than BMW?
0: Um no, it's just that I mean, it's not the maintenance thing about the Supermoto or about a DRZ 400 for me, it's the cost. It's just the fact that I got to spend twice as much money to get a DRZ. No,
2: I was meaning worse than BMW with the nomenclature. <laughs> Adding all these yeah. extra things and, you know, taking a single cylinder F650 and then suddenly just randomly converting it into the twin and then inventing another letter.
0: Um well, well, so here's the other thing. I learned what the letters meant. So, oh. you know, there's a straight dr there's the s and then there's the e version there's an enduro version um and then the supermoto version which is different from the drs so i learned what the differences were um and then the seat heights also changed uh at 2006 so i figured all that out but then the problem is as i'm looking on craigslist and wherever it's just so much cheaper and I can't justify spending twice as much money for half as much power. Um, and the practicality of it is just staring at me in the face, you know, like I don't have mm-hmm. five, $10,000 to blow on a bike. So yeah. I want to get everything I can out of three grand, which is my budget. And that's a really low budget, but I think I can make it work. You, know? you can get a
1: heck of a bike for that.
0: Yeah, I can. And, and I, I and, and I even missed out on two really good ones. Um I <laughs> I found a really great DR650 that was 2600 bucks. So, I know I can find a really good deal. I just um everyone keeps saying that, you know, it's winter, so there's not as much to choose from and everybody puts their bikes out in spring and then they bump the prices up. And I'm sure that's going to happen. Um but I just I totally agree. I I don't know. I just, I'm not going to buy a bike because I'm scared that I won't find one. Oh, you know? no. So I'm but just... I think that
2: you're able to, to get in a deal, I think, a lot better when the conditions aren't rideable outside because demand's going to be low. And this yeah. guy really needs to sell his bike because he needs to, you know, make the mortgage payment. And not a lot of people are going to be looking for bikes right now because they can't take them from this guy's house and put them on the road and enjoy them. So right now is a good time to to look for one. So
0: I'm trying. I've been looking for like a month. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I just got really apprehensive about pulling the trigger on this, these two that I saw. And then, so I contacted the second one that I saw in really beautiful shape and he sold it to someone the next day. So Mm -hmm. I'm looking, I'm actively looking. So if anyone's selling a really nice (laughs) DR650 that hasn't been chopped up and torn up. And the other problem is I keep finding these DRs that have just been like completely manipulated and altered. And like (sighs) there was one where he powder coated the wheels purple. And then he put, yes. And then he put on a matching. Dude. Yes, and then he put on a a matching exhaust that was also powder-coated purple. Like, I know how cool you think this looks, dude, but that's you, not everyone else who wants to buy your bike. And so, oh my God. And then I found another one that was almost great, except that he, I'm going to have to find the link and send it to you. He put, I kid you not, around the headlight I don't know what material it is, but you know the movie um, Predator? Have you guys both seen Predator? Or have you seen the the alien guy from Predator? The guy, you know, the bad guy. He, like, put this mask around the headlight of a Predator. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want that. So, and I'm not paying you $5,000 for it. And he was asking an obscene amount of money because he thought it was so awesome. So... I'm looking, I'm totally like looking at everything. And then I'm trying to find something in the 2000s. I feel like unless it's like a super babied, you know, maybe older gentleman who has a barn and has babied this DR for the past 20 years, then yes, I will consider that, you know, like a 98, but trying to find something in the last decade, you know, maybe 10 years old versus 20. Yeah. Um, No, I
2: think it's a good call.
0: So I'm looking, I'm, I'm, so I, you know, the, the hard part I think is, is pricing. It's like, how do Mm -hmm. you know what you should pay? Like, well,
2: here's, here's a question and we can roll right into that pricing thing is for the folks who aren't used to buying used bikes and you see something awesome on Craigslist and it's a 2003 DR 650, I've got 20,000 miles, good condition. And that's all of my description what do you write to him? Hi, you know, my name's Joanne. I'm looking for this, you know, what, what kind of information do you pull from him in your first email?
0: Well, the, the guy I actually did end up emailing, um, I didn't even really get that far. He, all he I actually, he actually had a really good ad. He listed the mileage. He listed mm-hmm. what parts he had purchased for it and altered. He listed mm-hmm. his maintenance like Mm -hmm. he's like i changed my wheels this past month i did my oil change at this i did a sprocket change i changed this he actually listed things he had maintained and altered on it which was kind of cool and then he listed what he was doing with it so he kind of had everything in the ad and all i replied with was hey i'm really interested in looking at this bike can i come see it this weekend because i work tuesday to saturday whatever whatever Mm -hmm. and so that's all i really asked him um there is another ad that I keep seeing for a 98 DR. And like half these ads, these guys, and I say it guys because I don't know. I can just tell it's some guy on his phone. They just list like two lines. Really awesome yeah. DR650. Runs yeah. great. Call me. I, so I don't even want to email these people. Well, in
2: your breakdown yeah. of what that first guy put <laughs> as far as like maintenance records and all the different parts and whatnot, that was kind of where I was going with this. Is that, that's what I you know, want. if you're looking at your basic um, ad that's very slim on information, those are the kind of things that you want to ask, you know, <laughs> is it a runner?
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, are there I, any
2: leaks? You know, what is your maintenance record? Do you do all this stuff yourself? Because if they right. do, they'd be smart to write that stuff down like I do in my little manual. Every time I change the oil, I write down like, you know, I'm changing the oil, right. changing the filter. It's, you know, February, 2007, and I've got 18 miles. See, bike.
0: and I, mean, I, I guess I'm waiting for the guy who is like this person who I lost out on, who mm-hmm. knows what the bike is really worth. I feel like the people who provide that kind of information, like maintenance history, background, you know what I mean? That they, they are smart people, they're not full of themselves in that regard and they are asking a fair and reasonable price like they're not trying to sell you something at a much higher price i don't know if that's realistic or not but I, get, um, I
2: may- Maybe, but those guys are the ones who you want to buy from because right. they're so into their bike. No, they, they are. They know that they need to do maintenance on it, and they take good records of it. I mean, buying used and not being in a dealership where there's some kind of recourse that's it's a scary proposition and so asking a lot of questions as far as servicing and whatnot i mean you could be a totally hands-off guy and take your bike to the dealership and then they've got all the records so that's cool and if someone's going to provide that stuff for you then sweet but if you do your own and you're super into it like that first guy you know the the listing then it's great and sorry Lisa, i think i cut you off
1: no what what i like about Uh, The first fellow that you missed out on was that he paid attention to detail. Yeah And so whether he did his own maintenance or brought it to the dealer, you know That guy was taking care of his bike because a he knows what people are looking for when they look for a bike and B He appreciates it. He listed everything every bit of love that he gave to the bike So I you know, that's the kind of ad that I would show up at 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 night You know that night, you know um and i think that's i
0: yeah. had the i guess i had the chance to say that to him but i i guess i was trying to so here's a question about etiquette so what he told me was um i have a guy who's who wants to see it tomorrow i've already pre-scheduled an appointment with him i haven't confirmed it yet i'll let you know if he flakes he didn't flake so The other thing was I thought if this guy he already pre-talked to, then technically that person would have first dibs on it. And I felt like a little rude saying something like, well, I'll be there. I could be there in an hour. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just felt like that was rude. And I wasn't that desperate.
2: Nah, yeah, it well, you have, sounds you like you nice missed manners. out on a great bike.
0: <laughs> I did. I <laughs> yeah, did. that, wouldn't,
2: that yeah. wouldn't be me. If I saw a screaming deal yeah. and someone who paid attention to detail, I'd be like, I'll be there in 15 minutes and I have cash in hand. Yeah. And, okay.
1: You know, that's exactly what I did with my DR650 because mine, I, I was, I knew I was looking for a DR650 for my trip to South America. Mm-hmm and i was watching craigslist and literally the person that i bought my bike from had like listed it within 3 minutes when i <laughs> when i called him he said that's up already and I said yes. And I said I've got a truck. Can I can I be there in an hour? Because I knew. And see, this speaks yeah. to research. You know, you've done you've done your research, but maybe we should talk about research a little uh, a little bit too. Yeah. But you know, once you know what you what what you want, and you know the price range, and let's definitely talk about how people can find out where, um, uh, what price they should pay for a motorcycle. Um, then it's just then you just you just have to jump on those things, especially with Craigslist, because there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of strangeness <laughs> on, on Craigslist, but there's also real people. I mean, I've made really good um, transactions there too. So, but that's yeah. not the only place to look for a motorcycle. So that's maybe something else we should talk about too. Where are the other places
0: you can look? I've been So I've been actively Craigslisting, and the only reason I've been Craigslisting more is because I don't want to go 300 miles for one. I feel like I should be able to find something at least within 100, 150 miles, but I am looking all across the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and I, I was looking as far north as Connecticut. I um, yeah. actually saw one in Connecticut, which I'm still contemplating about whether or not I should do something about that one. Um, and then I have been looking at Cycle Trader dot com which is pretty common cool. but they mostly have dealers looking uh, trying to sell 2011s and newer so really new ones mm-hmm. and i don't want to pay five thousand dollars for one yep and then like or all the way across the country so i mean there's a ton in san francisco but i can't i don't want to pay <laughs> shipping when you that. when you oh.
2: see a detailed listing like that first guy and it's in connecticut and I just, we have it on record. You said, oh, the nice thing about Elisa is that she told this story and, you know, all these things happened to her and everyone took her in and solo rider and yes, your ass is going to go up to Connecticut and you're going to ride that sucker back to Pennsylvania. I'm telling you. Oh, I don't you, mind Road trip. That.
0: No, I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah. mind. I to- I totally don't mind that. That's not the problem. It's just, um, I, you know, the other thing I'm, I don't know, I'm a little bit torn to is just spending this money that it's. That's the other hard part is like, it's still a few thousand dollars. It's still money to spend. So that's, I'm still struggling a little but, bit with it But that you're too,
2: recycling but. because it came <laughs> from your motorcycle and you're putting it back into one. So you're not I actually am... spending really that yeah. much more.
0: I know. I, yeah, I know. I'm just. Um... And also,
1: if you don't like it, Joanne, you can just recycle it into yep. something else. Yeah. No, know. I can sell I mean, it. Make sure, make sure that you get you know, a decent price on it. You'll be out the taxes and insurance and all that stuff, or, you know, the, the registration fees, but, um, those bikes are infinitely resaleable. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of them out there. Do you know about Thumper Talk?
0: Um, yes, I have been on I would, there. I should add that to my list.
1: I get on there and look, I'd also look on the, um, adventure rider,
0: ADV, yeah, I did Forum, look on ADV there. ADVwriter.com and, the, yep. and
1: Horizons Unlimited. That's true, um, Horizons. I've never bought anything off of Horizons Unlimited, but I'll, I'll tell you the differences in, in my mind, and Christy, you can chime in with your own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, well... Lately, there's a lot more new people on the... At least on Adventure Rider, there's a lot more noobs. But Mm. used to be that I really trusted the ADV Rider community because it was all just a bunch of us riders. And Mm. while you... I think you have to use your common sense and sort of suss out a, uh, you know, a particular seller, Mm -hmm. but I like those people uh, over Craigslist. Although everybody uses Craigslist now because I've bought three bikes sight on unseen off of adventure rider. Mm. Like I sent them the cash and they sent me the deposit or they sent me the title. And then um, my first one, I wanted an adventure. So when I was living in Connecticut, I actually bought a GSA out here in uh, in Ontario, as a matter of fact. And wow. do you know the man, you know, I, I flew in, do you know the man, he put me up in his house, and his wife took me in, and they fed me dinner. Wow. And, um, and then the next day, the Gentleman took the day off of work and um, I couldn't really, I, I couldn't quite figure it out, but he said he wanted to go for a ride with me. I was like, okay, okay, I'll go for a ride on my new bike. Well, About two hours into the ride, it occurred to me, he was checking me out to make sure that I could ride that motorcycle (laughs) before I took off back across the country on it. And finally, I asked him, and uh, yeah, and he said, well, yeah. And you know, anyway, I still communicate with this fellow to this day. um, And we've become become friends. But I mean, I've only had good experiences, but that's because I listen to, to my gut. And if something sounds funky then
0: yeah then it is then i I
1: don't then it probably is that's
0: why i'm avoiding these ads words bikes great call me you know i'm I'm not i don't even want to put the energy into asking them all these questions because i feel like it would just be this tug of war and pain in my ass to get the info if they're not smart enough and willing to put that info out for a possible buyer you know yeah. like this the shadiness factor or just not even the sh- it's not even I'm not even worried about getting swindled because I can I know what the value is it's more that just dealing with the bs yeah like yep. no well it's not salvage it just looks that way or whatever or i didn't <laughs> i didn't crash i just dropped it or or whatever it is this person is you know, and and I I don't know these ads. I get just really bad vibes from the buy from the sellers. Like they're not serious writers. They haven't taken really good care of it. Um, yep. They don't. They probably didn't ask the right questions when they bought it used, because a lot of these are second hand. So, I think that's why I'm avoiding these really simple no information ads. So, I think with Craigslist and even the forums. You know, I, I'm not going to call somebody who doesn't provide at least the sum, you don't have to provide like my year by year analysis, but at least something like miles and when you bought it and (laughs) where you bought it from and yeah, what parts you've put on it and how much maintenance you've done. Um, what did you do the valve adjustment? You know, so I, what I did before I actually started looking on Craigslist was, I looked at the DR650 website. I have to f- remember what that was, and I'll link it later. Um, I did look a little on Thumper Talk, too. Um, I just did some general searching on DR650s, you know, just to find out, like, when they added the lowered, the factory lowered options. So there's this little, um, I guess you call it a link, not a lowering link, but you can yourself... L- mm-hmm. drop the body right like a half inch or an inch or something and it still will stay within factory spec and it's not something that i have to necessarily take to someone to do but i think it was like i can't remember what year it was that they did they modify or they added that option um so i did a lot of i did some googling first and i also looked at maintenance um, intervals and this one website had a really great breakdown of at every interval what are you having to check or what should you be looking Mm. at right and when when are the valve checks and then that's when i found his really cool link to the tutorial on how to do your own valve check um so yeah i did googling on that end first
1: the good news is that most motorcycle i mean the internet is a wonderful place because most motorcycles have their affinity group so if you just get on google And Start poking around you find that affinity group. There is so much information out there. And um, of course, I'm Very familiar with the DR 650 because that's a bike that I've known intimately Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, there's it's also out there for the SVs the the KTMs the BMWs I mean, there's just there's so much information out there whatever bike that somebody is is thinking about about buying what, what I like about your bike, uh, the DR650, your choice is that it's so easy to work on. Yeah. Um, the engine is exposed. You can get the tank off of that thing in about five minutes.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Um, and it's super easy to change the oil. It's really, really easy to work on. So it's a great choice for a bike that will help you learn to more mechanical
0: yeah. stuff. Yeah, I feel like I can get in and figure things out or go online if I need to um, and then just parts so I mean since RevZilla is not a dealer they don't we don't sell OEM like I can't get a Suzuki replacement clutch cover or you know whatever OEM parts I can't get those but I know that they're easy to get I could go to a Suzuki dealer in the area there's there's quite a few Within, I think, 50, 70 mile radius, there's some dealers. So I know the parts will be fairly inexpensive um, and plentiful. So I like that it's going to be a very inexpensive bike to maintain. And um, yeah, no, I'm just, I I think it'll, for me and my needs, I think it's, it's definitely a, a really good option. And I've ridden one before and I really loved it.
1: Yay.
0: Excellent. Yay. (laughs) Um, I can't wait to welcome you to the dual sport (laughs) world. I don't know how quickly I'm going to jump in to doing some real off-roading. I want to. I mean, I really would love to attend a rally or, I don't know, you know, meet up with people and go on a dual sport ride. I don't know when Uh I'm going to do that. I mean, my plan is actually in the short run is actually to really put on more street tires, like a 1090 tire. Um, or I guess a 90-10, ninety ten ninety 90 percent street 10 off. Um, just to have some, to get riding locally first. Because I, I, w- I want to, uh, you know, explore yeah. some of the pavement and that. And then, and definitely think about, maybe I'll switch over to a more, I don't know, like a TKC tire. Just something that's really for dual sporting. I, I don't know if hmm. I should take classes. I don't know if I should... I don't know like not sure what I'm going to do when I decide to jump into that arena, but I'll probably use it street first.
2: There's a rally on the East coast that I may or may not go to, Mm. uh, depending on, uh, climbs interest in sending me. And I think that's in like August and it's Mm. in North Carolina. So if Mm. I do that, you should come out.
0: I, yeah, that would be something I think I would totally want to do. Um, I just don't know what time I'm going to have in the next three, four months. Um, I just don't really know, but I, at least I know I have versatility and flexibility with that bike. Mm-hmm. You know, if I decide yeah. I, I want to just use it as a city bike, I could, I think if I do want to tour on it, I could. So I feel like I've got a little bit of flexibility and even though it's not a super comfort, I think, you know, it wouldn't be as cushy as I think riding distance to say an F800 seems like, like a GS. I feel like that would be a cu- cushier <laughs> ride, like a more luxurious ride. Does it have more of a bench seat, the DR? Yeah, it's a thin skinny, and narrow. Yeah. it's a narrow little uh, yeah. two-by-four so seat. So you need a dead animal. <laughs> I highly I'll, recommend getting a dead animal I'll probably, to lay across the seat. I'll, I don't know. I may put a sergeant on there. We'll see um, <laughs> if I can get an aftermarket. But I don't know yet. So I feel like with that bike, I could make it do a f- whatever I want. Maybe I can utilize it, you know, in a di- couple yeah, different there's, ways.
1: There's so many parts out there for it. And yeah. here's what I do know, Joanne. I know that once you have that bike, all sorts of opportunities will present themselves. Once you have the <laughs> yeah. the, the, the the right tool, you like know. all those opportunities will present themselves. Suddenly, you'll see dirt roads. You'll be invited on dirt rides. It'll just... It'll open up for you.
0: Yeah, I know I'm I I feel like it's uh has a lot of potential to go in many different directions. So that's the other reason why I decided to go this route versus say an S V again or something I'm really comfortable or that I've had more time on. Um so yeah, I'm like ready to try different things or maybe fail miserably. I don't know. I mean whatever. I'm up for whatever. I just you know, I think I think it'll be really fun, too. Um, But something I wanted to touch on, too, that I thought we could all give a little input in uh, is, so after you email somebody and decide to connect with them to look at this particular bike, um, you know, physically looking at the vehicle, what kind of things are we paying attention to or trying to look at? Making sure that the
2: uh, tags are up to date, and if you're a member of AAA, (laughs)
0: registration, DMV, yes,
2: right there. If you're a member of AAA, you can call them and you can give them the license plate number. They will give you the VIN. You can match the last couple of digits, you know, on the frame or the forks or whatnot. Yeah, and they will tell you whether or not there's any back taxes or back registration fees. Um, You know, in the event that you're looking at a bike that or or even the owner, they can tell you who the owner is and all that stuff is free. And that's with your membership. So if you're looking at a DRZ with current tags and you read off the license plate and they say, oh, Betsy something or other owns it and you're talking to a dude, then there
0: might be a problem. (laughs) So So. matching names is good. Ownership to VIN numbers is good. I would say never, ever, ever consider buying a bike a used bike without the title yeah, i say it's absolutely. messy because oh, yeah. i see yeah. so many ads well i don't have the title but you could get it or i'm trying to get it or there's an issue at the dmv well, it'll be here any day now or you know what i mean like that well for of... two
1: thousand dollars if they don't have the title <laughs> that's a huge red flag i mean right? i get it yeah with a ten thousand dollar bike they might still have financing but a two thousand dollar bike, no. That's a huge red flag. Walk away.
0: Right. Just in general, I think if there's any title (laughs) or registration issues, that's bad. Now, what do you guys think about, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: I want to add something. This is something that nobody ever does, but it makes so much sense. Uh And that is when you're doing the paperwork, I mean, after you get to the point, you agree on price and when you are doing the paperwork, ask to see the driver's license of the person filling out the paperwork. Because it could be John Doe filling out mm. the paperwork. And if the bike's registered to John Dawson, you know, it, it, and, and you're handing him the cash. I mean, yeah, yeah that's a good point. Uh, but, 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 but I've never done that. It's really mm. great advice. And I've never done it. And I've never been stung, but,
0: <laughs> but do it.
1: Well, do as I say, as I
0: do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good too, is paperwork. Um, besides the title, you should have a bill of sale of some sort, I think. Yep. Even, it doesn't have to be a complicated one. You can just Google something free and easy, whatever, just something. So there's a record of this person you're purchasing from and the money you're giving them for the vehicle. So I think that's another good thing to have ready. Um, and I just learned that Pennsylvania is a notary state. So Ooh. that means I got to go with some stranger to the notary to sign the title field trip yeah like great so i'm still figuring out this dmv stuff in pennsylvania and i have the added hurdle i have not gotten our driver's licenses yet because we just unpacked and i just got my social security card Hmm. and, and they want that as proof of resident in addition to proof of residency you have to have your social and they're closed on Mondays, which is my day off. Oh, no. So I have to wait until next Wednesday when I got time off to change it. So I can't really buy anything until I have a PA driver's license because they won't issue me a registration. I don't think, I think the transferring and stuff will be messy. So I, it's only a week. So, you know, so technically. Oh, you can
2: buy it before then. You just won't be able to register it.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean, and. I would. I, I don't think I, I can sign anything. I would have someone
2: like Lance. I would have someone like Lance ride it, you know, if, if you could actually oh, depart with it, minus yeah. the details, I would have one of my friends who's already licensed, if you can take off with it and, and, um, you know, well, bring it to your house. That yeah, way you're not, true. you're, you're technically, um, I think at least in the state of California, you have 10 days to register a bike. Yeah. Yeah. So in that 10 day period, pretty much anyone, I mean, especially if you're a new rider, like in California and you've. You've decided you want to buy a motorcycle before you take MSF or right after and you're not licensed yet. Your buddy's going to be riding your bike home. So, I mean, I would say the same situation would more or less apply. So as long as you got the cash yeah, in hand true. and you can move forward with the transaction, don't be too caught up in the fact that you got to do your license. I mean, you're you're for sure going to get one in, well, in Philly. So, so the
0: other thing, the thing with Pennsylvania is it's a notary state. So that means I technically can't just leave with the bike, the money, I mean, the bike and the title because... Well, I guess I could, but it wouldn't be signed, like, because we have to go mm. to a notary together. So for me, I guess I figured I would just wait until I had my driver's license, and it would be a clean thing. There, you know what I mean? It won't be complicated by. well I was on my driver's license, California? Um, mm. It's a week. Well,
2: you'll probably still okay. pay taxes in in Pennsylvania. I don't know that yeah, the I, I don't know whether or not the California driver's license would be such a hiccup in that in that it's respect. It's not, not a hiccup that, that I can see. I guess it yeah be. i would say just ask
0: i'll find out um
2: if, if that
1: way awesome
2: exactly yeah no i know
0: uh,
1: you want to be on it you want to have cash I know, I will. in your in your uh safe deposit you know you want to have cash at home and you want to be ready to jump on that deal because they're out there but they I don't know. they don't last
0: i know they don't well they don't actually last. they lasted a long time and i I saw this these bikes like a month ago. My like, God, oh. I should just get it. But it was so freaking cold. I'm like, I can't. We're not. I can't ride. I just. It just felt so silly to buy a bike. I didn't even have my stuff. I'm like, I can't even ride it. I could buy hey, it that's today. That's
2: where the deals come from.
0: <laughs> I know. Everyone I know. Asks,
2: yeah. If if you seriously if you saw this bike listed a month ago and it just sold now, it probably sold for a lot less.
0: I'm sure because if did. I'm
2: holding on to a bike for a month I when I want to sell something I want to get rid of it I don't want to sit on it for like 30 days so oh, that yeah. price dropped
0: so the other sure. other thing I, I think the other issue about pricing especially on Craigslist is how do you know what the right price is for the bike um, my first step has been to check nada guides that's nada.com uh-huh. motorcycles because they give you the good true retail average retail and at least it's a starting point but i've quickly learned that like with the drc 400 that just goes right out the door pretty much because yeah. i mean it's not it's it's like the retail's 35 or 38 but asking prices are like five thousand dollars anywhere from 45 to five um, and i'm sure those people expect people to negotiate down but um, a bike like that is so weird i think that people can get more money for them.
2: Yeah, um, it's like a niche, a niche bike, yeah, kind of like a trials
0: bike. So I think that's the hard part if you're shopping for something really funky that a NADA retail guide may not help you um yeah. versus a DR650 where I think a bike like that that's more common um then I can rely on something like the NADA retail value.
2: I, I would say it. when you're looking at Craigslist ads and you've got, you know, a handful of them that have a decent write up, unlike the guy who says, man, this bike is awesome. Two yeah. grand. Yeah. Um, and you can sit there and you can kind of have your, uh, based on mileage, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of based on year it's, it's zero to 30,000 miles, 30,000 to like 60 and then 60 and up, like what the g- general price range is. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of determine like, you know, the, the revolt, the, um, the scale on that yeah and then you have the nada guides and then you also have the highest end which would be what happens if you buy a bike like that from like a dealership like a used you know drz or something if they still have them somewhere i mean those guys would be the high end yeah for for sure sure,
0: because i've seen used drs at dealers and they're asking way more than um your average craigslist person so i've been avoiding dealers actually
2: and i think common sense dictates that whenever like for example my motorcycle i have a uh, progressive suspension on it um common sense dictates that when you start adding all these crazy farksles to a bike you're not actually going to get all of that money back.
0: No, it's, you're and, not. And so a
2: lot of <laughs> no. people, a lot of people cling to the idea that if my bike was 10 grand and Ugh. I've put a thousand miles on it and I add three grand's worth of suspension, worth then I'm going to charge $13,000. And it's like, yeah. no, no, that's not how this works actually. <laughs> so no. that's another thing to think of too. So is many they,
0: people do that. It's yeah. driving me crazy like predator man however
1: <laughs> <laughs> and purple rim
0: man <laughs> like, really I don't want this purple bike I have to undo all that However crap. The, f-
1: the flip side of that for me is um Last year, I bought a DR350. Oh, nice. And this bike has Wait, is that a street everything... legal
0: or is that a dirt dirt?
1: Yeah, it's the DR350 SE. Oh, okay. So, so yep, it's a street. It's, it's street legal. Cool. I actually bought it. I bought it from a dude in um, Tennessee. He delivered it to my mom's house Aww. in North Carolina. And then I wow. rode it to my house in Connecticut. It was awesome transaction. And, uh, anyway, this guy was really straightforward and the bike had all the mods that I would have done anyway nice. on it. And That's nice. so I paid him top dollar, I mean, not top dollar, like the 13 grand, um, we- but I mean, I paid the high end because mm-hmm. he saved me thousands, <laughs> you True. know, so I was happy to give the guy a couple hundred bucks extra, you, you know, yeah. because it was simple transaction. He, cr- cry me, he was willing to deliver it yeah i mean it was just it was just fabulous plus yeah. his wife brought me fudge who delivers a motorcycle <laughs> and gives you a pound <laughs> of fudge i mean it was just wow. awesome so um yeah so, that's um, how so my last the...
2: transaction i'm living on the wrong coast <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i don't think it was gonna make you fudge bike... in la
1: <laughs> my first bike story was was ontario i mean those people those people are all over i'm just I, maybe i'm super lucky when it comes to motorcycles but, uh, but but so that's the flip side of it. I mean, True. once you know what your ranges are right. and um, you also, as you're doing your research, you're going to learn what bike, what parts are, um, we'll call them the weak parts on the motorcycle that you, you probably want to get replaced with aftermarket stuff. Um, for instance, the DR 650 the, uh, the clutch plate, um, really easy if you tip over the bike, that pointy, um, shifter lever yep. uh, can poke the engine and so you know there's a $30 part that you can buy from a great guy I can't hmm. think of his name at the moment but I can send you that link I'll be hitting you um, up once I get know. a bike yeah <laughs> he, you, you know you, you, you buy those things so if a bike already has that and it's got a larger tank you definitely want a larger right. gas tank on that thing yeah um, you know and it, maybe it has an aftermarket seat yeah I'd pay the high end of the spectrum just to just to get all that stuff
0: Yeah. And I will too. I'm happy to, too, on reasonable, regular modifications, not purple powder coated wheels (laughs) and yellow. And it was this weird, and the pipe was a weird two-tone. I mean, it was just absurd. I'm like, I am not going to pay you for that. But yes, I I totally agree. I think that's a that's a really good example. You'd of, have
2: to give him less because you would have to go out and, and fix take it. the rims off and get it powder coated. I mean, that's no.
0: I could have. Apart. I could live with the purple wheels. I cannot live with the two-tone exhaust, matching purple and yellow. I can't. Just can't go
2: that far. Wow. Is that a Lakers fan?
0: I don't know. And no mirrors or turn signals. Like I gotta put. That's I gotta... not street legal. Well, well in California, it would be. It's not street legal here, and people don't seem to care. They don't. Hmm. They don't care at all whether or not they're on a bike that's properly legal. Um, they must because there's annual inspections here. So my theory is oh. they have it in. Yeah, they like look at look at your bike and make sure it has turn signals and stuff on it. But then you can ride down the street without a helmet and then crash into a pole. You know who cares? <laughs> it, it, the, the laws here are weird. Um, but I think they go through inspection and then they take it all off and then they ride freely because they're just I've seen too many bikes that are modded, modified heavily modified like that and they take everything off the bike. Wow. Um, yeah, no no lights, no turns in. I'm like I really you want to ride around at night without any lights on or I just don't understand these people, but to me that's more work. So that's definitely something that's bothering me. Um but yeah, I think in terms of pricing certainly researching heavily what are people asking for this vehicle like what are what everything like are people asking really high are they asking really low um is there a range are people just crazy uh and i and especially with the drz that was one thing for me that was just really awful is that everybody was asking the same range of price everybody i never found one that was anywhere close to blue book and for me, that was a flag that I'm not going to find something in my budget. I just won't because the asking prices, people are, they're just higher than what I could pay, period. Even if they could come down a little bit from like, say, $5,500, it's still so much higher. I just can't do it. So that for me was like the, the main kind of push as to why I, I had to change my mind also. It was just really, it just sucks. But maybe I don't know. Maybe next year I can buy another bike or something, something else.
1: So, do you want to talk a little bit about what to do when you get to the bike you think is the bike of your dreams at the right price? You're yeah. you're there, and um, and you're looking at the bike.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, what do you what? I don't know. I guess what kind of things are you would you recommend to look at first off? Besides well, VIN and matching, that kind of thing. Yeah, in purple. <laughs>
1: um, actually, I, I, I want to tell a, a story of my DR650. And that was, I pulled up to this guy's garage, and he had every tool in his garage lined up on the wall, Aww. like in descending order. Like and in it prison. Was like the most immaculate. <laughs> no, it was just the most immaculate workspace. The, the, the workbench was all organized. And you know what? I was like, I, I, I knew I was buying that bike before I even test rode it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> because yeah.
1: he was just so meticulous. But you know, there's there's um, there's some simple things you can do. Even if you're not mechanically inclined, you can fake it by just <laughs> taking a look at the oil. You know, do they yeah. have old crappy oil in it, or is the oil, is is the oil clean? Um, take a look for scratches, and see has the bike been down. Yep. Um, take a look at the VIN. Has it been scratched? You know, or otherwise <laughs> altered? Um filed. Does it look
0: Yeah. Does the Vin missing does it look like
1: all the <laughs> does it look like all the parts match? I mean, or is it cobbled together, you know, signifying, you know, different colored bits and pieces signifying right. it's had a crash and they've put it right. back together the cheapest way possible? Um, are the handlebars straight? <laughs> yeah, you, know, you definitely wanna. um Yeah, yeah, you definitely wanna take a look at that. Um, what that, else, Christy? That was one ad said. that
0: I I saw recently. Like, it was looking really good. There was some really good info about the bike, and then I get to the bottom. Oh, the only bad thing is the bars aren't straight, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it can be fixed. <laughs> Great. Mm-hmm. It was cheap. I know. what it's so yeah. cheap. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. Just kind of that physical appearance is definitely a big thing to look at. Um, I like looking at tires. Like condition. I like to yeah, look at why? Just, just, to, just the condition of the tires. If it's an older tire, just looking at kind of, you know, is it cracked? Does it look worn in in a weird direction? You know, how much has it been ridden? Um, mm-hmm. Just I think that tells a lot about how the person actually rode or used the used it, you know. Okay, don't buy a bike from me because <laughs> I
1: wear my tires down. No, that's good. Cheap. I mean, Get like every mile yeah. out of them <laughs> that I can. It's good. No, then I change them.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, just, <laughs> some people don't ever change them. You know, they think that it's awesome. Yeah. That yeah. wow, this tire is the original tire. That's great. No, it's not good. It's been uh, ten awesome. years. Change yeah. them. Um, I think yeah. one thing that about used bikes that a lot of and that's also scaring me too, are bikes that are actually too good. Like I found, um, so of course I'm looking, I'm just like looking all over Craigslist at everything. And I found a first gen Ducati Monster 900, like a 92 or a 93. It only had 6,000 miles on it. And it sounds great, but in my mind, that's not good. That's a lot of sitting like sitting around and getting Mm. old you know what I mean like oh that was it
2: 90s yeah that's what 25 years old with only 6,000
0: miles I've seen yeah it had less than 10 I think it was 67 and I've seen a few other bikes like that that are 20 years old less than a thousand miles and you and you look at it and think wow what a great deal it's brand new No, it's really old. It has old tires. You have to change that, right? It has old oil. It might have old oil. You got to change that. The carbs might have to be jetted if it's carbureted, right? It may not be. There could be things that you have to fix to get it to run right. And like, so that's, I think the other thing that can be hard too. It's like, yeah,
2: I would say it's a fair question to ask how is this, if you, if that's the person that's had the bike the entire time right. how have you stored it? Have you completely taken the liquids out? Has it sat for you know two years and then you added all the liquids and fired it up again? I mean storage I think is key too because a lot of people um, for bikes that old they might have just you know taken apart the whole engine and it, you just run into all kinds of problems by doing that
0: yeah I'm just that's I think, a good point. yeah I, I mean it's it sounds like so good but to me that's a it could be a a maintenance nightmare um so I think looking at even the pristine ones that way you have to kind of micro or meticulously look at them also even though they look beautiful they could be too good I guess it's like a bike can also be too nice
1: well, in, in case we're scaring any of your listeners about all the things that can go wrong, but m- my best advice would be: is if you're not mechanically inclined and you don't have somebody that can come with you that's mechanically mm-hmm. inclined, um, <clears throat> ask. <clears throat> excuse me. Ask if you can bring it to a dealership. Um, mm-hmm. Ask. I, I've had a person, you know, say that yes, I can bring it to a dealership. He even wrote it there for me mm-hmm. because. Um, So that's a possibility too. somebody that's hiding something is going to be like, no, 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 no. Or they might just think it's a pain in the butt or they may want to sell sell it quickly. But you sort of have to gauge that on the spot. But there's always the option of paying a dealer to go through the bike. Now, you know, do you want to pay a dealer a couple hundred bucks on a two thousand dollar bike? Maybe because it might save you two thousand dollars worth of maintenance down the road it just it has to be sort of your call depending on the the number of miles and and stuff um the other thing is I would always say have somebody ride the bike and if you don't have your license yet my first motorcycle I made the guy that I bought the motorcycle from take me for a ride Ride two up on the bike nice
0: nice that's a good (laughs) idea that's smart that's a really good idea because
1: well, I mean, okay, so it goes against my, my now rule of I never get on a motorcycle with anybody <laughs> until I see them ride. But, right. I mean, in that case, you know, it was clear that the guy had been riding a long time. He had, like, five motorcycles in the garage. It yep. was, this was a Kawasaki 440, and you should have seen the two of us on it. It was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was like something out of the circus. But you know what? <laughs> I got to feel the bike even though I couldn't operate it yet. And I thought, hey, this bike runs. It's not jerky. You know, it's not herky-jerky. Yep. Um, he stopped it. You know, the brakes didn't squeal when he pulled up to a stop sign. I mean, that's a possibility, too. You can ask them to ride it in front of you. Don't even get on it with them. That's a good you know, idea. And just make sure. But I, I, I would strongly suggest asking somebody to come with you. If you if you don't know anything about motorcycles and you don't have your motorcycle license yet, ha- ask somebody to go Ask somebody to go with you, or pay a dealer to take a look at it. That's my best advice.
0: That's really good. I might. I if I didn't know how to ride a motorcycle, I would totally use that. Uh, but I think <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I'll make <laughs> him ride it for me, but or them, but. That's actually a really good tip. Um, no,
1: no, no. That's that's just. I mean, I, I figure you have all types of listeners, and yes, and, yes. Um, we do. You know, yep. it's it's easy with 20 years of experience. to to, to, yep. to it's just easy to forget how it was when we first started, which was <laughs> you know it was it was daunting. I mean, it's a it, it's a machine. It's a complicated machine that I knew nothing about, and um, so yep. <laughs> it just made you know I made the person prove to me that it worked. I didn't know how it worked yet, but yep. I wanted to know that it worked.
0: I think you, something else you want to ask them, too, is to start it up for you. Um, yes. You just yeah. So if they won't, I'd say if the, guy, if the person says, no, I, I really don't feel comfortable doing that, or no, I can't let you test ride it, have them fire it up and make it run for five minutes. I'm sure you can hear a lot of things just having it idle. Um, and then here's a tip. If you buy vintage and you show up
2: and the bike's already warm, that's a bad sign. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm not, see, I'm not ready for vintage yeah. bikes yet. Um, cause, cause I did that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Make
2: sure it started.
0: Make sure it's cold and make sure it can start up Cold. Um, yeah, yeah. And especially if you don't have a garage, like, you know, I lucked out. My garage is even warm. It's insulated. It's not heated per se, but they put really good insulation in there. And my garage is warmer than it is outside. So I know mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's it's, kind of cool. But if you, if your bike has to live outside, then you want to know it's going to start up no matter how cold or, you know, crappy it might be. And I think that's a really good way to gauge it too. Um, So, I don't know. What else? What else am I missing about looking at our used vehicles? Um, History, I guess, is I think one of the obvious ones is see what they have on paper um, as far as anything that they've spent money or time on the vehicle. Um, Anything you can backtrack. I'd say it might be shady if they're like a second buyer and they have nothing on the previous experience like would you buy a bike that looks okay but the person's like i have i don't have anything before i bought it i have no idea you know or does that sound normal to you i'm asking both no (laughs) i think i
2: think that makes a lot of uh, kind of getting back to what you were saying with the guy that has three words on his craigslist ad If that's the kind of image that he's putting out, that he thinks people are going to be interested in buying his bike, then that's probably what attracted him, or that's what he went for when he bought that bike, and that would make me nervous, because he won't know anything about it.
0: Yeah, that's why. Oh, that's the other thing that makes me worry too. I feel like I'm increasing my risk for a headache later, even though it might seem okay. I feel like in a few thousand miles, I could be stuck with a major service issue or like, you know what I mean? Or just some hidden thing that I didn't see coming. Um, so I I prefer to be more cautious in that sense and try to find that person who babied it and took really good care of their bike or at least average care, you know, took it to the dealer when they should, um, you know, looked after the tires. And like I didn't, I've never really babied my motorcycles, but I certainly did the oil changes. I did the valve adjustments when they were supposed to. I changed the tires when I was supposed to. You know what I mean? Um, That's all I'm really looking for. Like, it doesn't have to be in showroom shape. I just want someone who actually maintained the vehicle um, and took decent care of it.
2: Yeah, basically, I guess the bottom line for buying a used bike is... You want to, if you're, if you're into bikes, like I would say we are, um, you want to buy from a like-minded person.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, I do. The,
2: the more naive you are, the more you're going to go, huh, good bike, $2,800. Sweet. But the more, you know, the more you're going to expect from other people, because that's just, I mean, it's one of those eye-opening experiences we, we know. And so that's exactly why we're seeking out similar minded people. So it won't be a problem in the future.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree there. And I think one thing that a lot of new riders make the mistake of doing is absolutely no research, not even Googling the bike. Um, you can't just go on what your buddies tell you, you know, or just what your dad tells you, unless he's a motorcycle mechanic or something and he's had a dealership for 30 years. Then, yes, you go with what your dad says, but you should try to do your own homework on top of what even the most knowledgeable people tell you. Um, just because you want to figure out some of these things on your own. So I think that's something that can help you avoid mistakes or losing money or spending too much money on things that you shouldn't have to spend on.
1: Yeah. Yeah and even though you do all your due diligence and everything I mm-hmm. mean it's st- it is a machine I mean yeah. stuff can't stuff can go wrong but that's why I like the simpler machines I love the um, the carbureted machines because there's a lot wider range of people that can work on it mm-hmm. for you than you know these new highly technical um,
0: computerized cycles I am um... Yeah. So speaking of computerized, I sat on this really great training session with Vance and Hines. They make exhaust systems for cruisers mm-hmm. and some metric bikes, too. They came out with this insane new product to fuel map your Harley, basically. So you can basically be your own mechanic in the sense that you can diagnose your own problems. It through an iphone app and you hmm. can yes you wow. can yes you can download direct okay. download fuel mapping and engine mappings and data from your phone to the bike wow yeah it is really awesome and it's the only okay, thing that makes me so want a harley the of- <laughs> <laughs> that's the upside um, of technology as the major upside of technology it's called the fp3 by vance and hines if you're a cruiser person um
2: yeah but actually i'll uh, ask about that since uh vance and hines i think is owned by mag
0: it's so cool everyone was like wow and it's awesome it is it was so neat i mean it's light years beyond what their competition is doing and it's really affordable on the relative scale when you look at other things but it was so cool i was just in awe
2: If this were a video, like a Google Plus Hangout or whatever, uh, you would see
0: the deer in the headlights look for me right now. (laughs) What? So (laughs) neat. And like, because you could call your mechanic, be like, hey, you know, uh, I can't figure out why blah, blah, blah isn't working. And they go, well, hang on, send me the file. Send me the download from your bike. And then you go to your iPhone app and you send it over. And then they, yeah. And then they send it back. And they go, here, I just uploaded a new one for you. Goes in the bike. Just crazy stuff. Like, really cool stuff. And they're talking about coming out with um, apps for other manufacturers, of course. But um, it was just really cool. I was really I was really impressed by that. Um, hey, do,
2: not not to get too far off topic, but do you guys have a date with Icon this week
0: at Revzilla? Icon? Meaning training? Yeah. Not that I know of. But I or, mean, or
2: that they're gonna drop in and say hi and bring their new stuff. Uh,
0: not that I know of, but I don't. Sometimes I don't hear about trainings until like the day before. So I don't. As far as I know, I'm not meeting Icon anytime soon. Okay. Because apparently I know
2: that they were out there for the um, oh, what was just going on? There's a a show trade show. Oh. And uh, over the shows. weekend. And I know that uh, one hmm. of the reps that I met from Icon is still out there. And I mentioned RevZilla and he was like, yeah, I might actually go out there.
0: Oh, I, I hope so. Uh, but I uh, apparently everybody already came before I got there because I got there. So, you know, February, by that time, everybody had already showed up uh, to do all the training. So I missed a lot. Um, I think Icon was one of them. So not that I know of, but um uh I think I don't know. I think we we covered quite a bit and gave out some really good um information, I think. Um I learned a lot, certainly. And uh I hope I find something soon. Now that I have all my stuff, I'm, I can go riding if I want to. Uh <laughs> I just need <laughs> I just need a bike to ride and then I'll be good to go. So what about Evan?
2: What's he thinking about getting?
0: <laughs> well, we had the money he would love a uh, first gen speed triple um yeah old gen gen speed triple but he is also (laughs) lusting after a zrx 1200 which is the retro inspired oh yeah it's the one that nancy has oh it's nancy's bike you know nancy right elisa nancy Mm -hmm. foot nancy from Streetmasters. Yes, yes, yes. So oh. yeah. what's the name of the bike again? ZRX twelve hundred. Hm. I don't um,
2: know that I know that. Is that a Honda? What no, is No, it, it's
0: Kawasaki. And oh. um it it looks old. It's like the old it's like a body style from I don't know what the late seventies, Lisa, something like that. But it's a new brand, you know, it's modern engine. It's it's Nancy's hmm. bike, it's green. So if you remember seeing her ride that around, it's uh it's a really great bike. She adores it. But Evan really wants one of those. Um yeah, we can't afford two bikes right now. So I get to get mine first. Oh. And then snap. um because well, I gotta go to work. So I uh-huh. you know, I actually yeah, have a reason. I actually I have, have an, house, I have an excuse. Like I have to go to ride to work. <laughs> so, you know, and he knows, like he knows how important it is to me. And unfortunately I'm the one of the two of us that actually ride more. And I'm just into it a little bit more than he is, so um, he sees how important it is for me to have one. so but soon, hopefully this summer <laughs> he'll be able to get one too i I kind of want him to get a dual sport because I wish we could then we could go dual sporting together. Mm. But I don't know I don't know if he's into that if he'll be into that. We shall see. Maybe he'll ride the DR and be really excited and
2: want. And then take it from you, kind of like you did to him (laughs) multiple times in your uh, marriage?
0: Actually, (laughs) I don't think that'll happen because he can't go back from a thousand or, you know, the leader down to uh, anything smaller. I don't, he doesn't, I don't think he'll be able to do that. So he's going to stick to the leader. And I don't think there's anything like a DR thousand, right? (laughs) Right? I mean, there's the V-Strom, but that's... No. So not yeah, the same the, thing. The like I'm sure he'd have fun on like a 950 adventure, but he doesn't mm. want he doesn't want that. I mean, that's like far from what he's considering. He wants a street bike, like a sporty. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, mm. maybe
1: I should store my dr 350 with <laughs> with you guys, and then I'll just fly into uh, <laughs> yeah. Philadelphia Sounds instead good. of New York from now
0: on. Where Where is your <laughs> wait? Where is the dr 350 right now?
1: It's in uh, Connecticut at my house there oh, when i go back I, I need uh, i went back for a couple months to remodel it last summer and uh i needed transportation and no. i
0: thought although, well
1: bikes are way more fun than the cars although
0: so. the, how does that dr 350 do on the highway it
1: know. does it <laughs> it's not it's not happy i mean you know it does it it does it fine i just don't like the screaming yes thumper engine it 5,000, 6,000 RPM.
0: That's the other reason why I decided to go with at least the DR650. I know it's still thumping, but I feel like I can get a little bit more out of her. Um, yeah, it's bigger. Yeah, And I'm used to being on a 650, which is fine. Totally fine with that. I mean, a twin anyway, but I just felt, you know, I think I'll be happier with something a little bit bigger, at least for, for any touring that I might do. So, that's the other reason I decided to go with her. But, uh, yeah, feel free. I've got room in my gar- garage. <laughs> we'll of, talk about that. We... Often, often. <laughs> all, right, all right. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. I Like I said, I learned a lot, and um, I'm hoping I will find something. I will update you guys as soon as I find something really good. I promise not to wait on a really good deal. <laughs>
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to meeting you, Christy. I can't. We we live so close to each other. We need to
0: go have coffee. Go meet at Starbucks or something. Come on. I (laughs)
2: should, I should do that some weekend. My well, I ride a GS. I mean, isn't that what people who ride BMWs do? They go from Starbucks to Starbucks. Um, Yeah, my schedule is just all over the place right now. Uh, but I've well, been actually looking into taking trips to Mexico, so I don't know. Um, you have a bike here, right?
0: I do, yeah. Cool. She's yeah. a 950. Ooh, you should let yeah. her take that for a spin. Oh. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you, 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 but,
1: but uh, yeah, it may, it, it may give you ideas about your <laughs> BMW. No, I love the BMWs. Which one do you have?
2: The Twin uh, 650.
0: 2009 yeah great bike i thought about that too i really did seriously consider one of those as well but i and to be honest i haven't really googled or done a lot of research on maintaining one and cost but i feel like i will save a lot more money maintaining my suzuki than i will my bmw
2: yeah, I don't um you would probably be down with the single cylinder because that would be the cheaper end of things.
0: Yeah, I think that and but then um, your and then your torque screw story like really bummed me out. I'm like, I don't know what the hell? Torque screws. Torque screws. Oh no. Yeah,
2: the the you know, it only happened I've only had a real call for it. Actually, to be honest. Doing the skid plate and doing um oh, okay, changing the battery and good. all these other little things that I've been tweaking with. Um I had, uh, I have this weird fascination with Home Depot and I try to stay out of them unless I absolutely need something because I'll wander the aisles and they have like these little, um, areas where they start piling all these little like stocking stuffer like things. Yes. (laughs) And there is a a tiny husky, um, set that came in a cool little box. It was like maybe eight inches by five inches. And they had all the little bits in there and there are like maybe 50 different bits. And some of those bits were torques. And so I didn't really think about it when I bought that several years ago and then got the BMW. And then the other night I was like, crap, I need a way to take the damn screws off. And there's actually bits in there. So granted I take crappy care of some of my tools and the torque <laughs> screws are rusted, but I'm sitting there and I'm like playing around with it. And I'm just like, yes, this is the best thing I've ever bought my- myself is this tiny little Husky. We we know, have box. been.
0: I've been in the home Depot more times than I've ever been in my life in the last two <laughs> weeks and the Target and Ikea, like just trying to get stuff for our house. Um, Like we we have very little storage space. So we had to get this weird little rack that would fit in our laundry closet and a weird rack for the bathroom and then new light bulbs. And we have to rent a ladder. We have to rent like a 20 foot ladder because the ceilings are 16. And there's like four lamps up there and they're all burning out. So we <laughs> need to replace the bulbs. And we were in Home Depot last week and, and we're looking at these stupid ladders. They're like $200 for a 20 foot ladder or, a you know, something to reach the 16 foot ceiling. They're not cheap. It's not like a cheap eight foot painting ladder, right? It's like an A-frame. And I, we were about to grab one. I'm like, this is $200. Do we really need this? Like how many times are we going to use this stupid ladder if we buy this. And he's like, well, probably never again. I don't know. I'm like, then why are we buying this? <laughs> Isn't there some alternative? Like, can't we borrow a ladder or find a handyman or something? Because it's really big and heavy and expensive. And then, thank God, we're in Home Depot and they have tool rentals. So then uh. he had the brilliant idea, let's rent one. Because it's like $40. Like, thank God. It just... Saved us from buying this stupid ladder that weighs 200 pounds or whatever. <laughs> so there's just, it's just like bad Home Depot shopping. There's just too much stuff in there that you think you want to buy. But, you know, but yeah, we've been in there so much. Just trying to customize our home, I guess. But it's been, uh, it's been really fun. This has been fun as well. And I wish we could keep going. Yes. It's past my bedtime. <laughs> yes. I keep forgetting yeah. different Joanne's time gotta zones. Joanne's got to get
2: up for work tomorrow.
0: It's work tomorrow. Um, yeah. So, Lisa, okay. thank you for joining us. Uh, please tell yeah, everyone well, how they thanks. can find you. Where can they oh, find you?
1: Um, I have a website that I am currently remodeling. It's www.motoadventuregal.com. And um, my email address is Elisa at motoradventuregal.com, and I love helping other ladies get on the road, so if you have any questions or, um, I don't know, questions, anything, <laughs> <laughs> Go. I'm, always, I'm always answering emails from people that find me somehow, and they have a yep. strange question, right now there's a gal that wants a contact in Panama for crossing over the Darien Gap, so oh, um, that's my latest one.
2: That sounds
0: exciting. she said
1: you
2: said she wants a contact that lives in Panama
1: yeah yeah she's oh. traveling. she's southbound and uh uh traveling to South America and she wants a contact I have a I know someone in Panama I made a lot of okay I
2: was contacts gonna say allison. Was my trip. Allison's in Panama
0: still <laughs> oh is she cool. yeah yeah awesome. folks uh, she's
2: living
0: there oh nice that's great
1: allison DeLapp?
2: mm-hmm
1: wow a, really um, I know she was down there.
2: Cool. (laughs) Yeah, she moved to Panama. So, yeah. um, She moved. If that person person needs someone, then that is your your backup plan.
1: Yeah, it's actually Bonsai Becky. So, I will put her in touch. I'll put the two of them in touch.
0: Cool. Oh, okay. bringing people together. Thanks.
1: I love that. See, I love that. I just <laughs> It's one of the cool things about being a communicator. I'm always talking about things and I'm always making connections for people. So, and that's that's really what the sport's been about for me. So, thank you ladies for uh for
0: yeah, fun evening. Oh, it was really fun. And um also everyone please so visit her website. Um, Check her out on Facebook as well and on Twitter and read her really cool stories. I think you still have archives, right, from your trip to South America there, too. I do. My webpage
1: is a mess right now. I know, but it's um... just
0: the stories are there. So go read these (laughs) cool stories. Yeah. Go see the photos of the tigers and all the cool Mm. stuff. Um, yep, and Christy and I will <clears throat> certainly be back with you next week. We will talk about Christy's great adventure last week riding, um, what from Florida all the way over to yeah, Daytona
2: to Austin, Texas.
0: Yep, so and on a Indian nonetheless. Mm. So, yep. we want to hear all about that and uh, her adventure. So, that will be episode 38. And until then, we thank you for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this extended episode um, due to our absence in the last couple weeks. So we will talk to you then. Bye-bye.